Hello and welcome back to the Tune Lighting Podcast, the podcast where myself and my bandmate Jack Edwards, who is on the line, hello, are attempting to write and record a musical album in just one year. Um, and yeah, we're, we're back for another, I guess, normal episode or non-interview episode this week uh, after I hope you enjoyed our special two-part episode with Brian Funk. Um, not just just start off, I guess, by thanking Brian. He's uh, with his established podcast. I noticed a significant uh, jump up in uh, listens <laughs> on the last podcast stats, uh, which is really cool to see. Uh, great to get the podcast out to more people. Uh, I've had a couple of emails as well from new listeners uh, after I think I mentioned for people to to drop us an email if they had found us through the Brian Funk podcast so it was really great to get a few emails come through of people that were enjoying the podcast or who'd listened to the Brian Funk episode and were promising to uh, to go and listen to the rest of our episodes so anyone who that's applicable to I hope you're uh, enjoying what you've heard so far and uh, will continue to enjoy following us along on this album journey to hopefully being able to listen to some actual finished tracks and a finished album uh, in a few months time but um, yeah, if you if you have been tuning in and you've been following us on social media, also notice that a few more, quite a few more followers coming in on uh, on Instagram and things like that. Um, you've probably been a little bit disappointed because uh, it's been a bit of a ghost town there, and uh, I've got a, got a reason. I've got a reason why that is. We haven't just lost complete interest in this uh, in this project uh, after last week, or um, yeah, and the celebrity stardom of appearing on another podcast hasn't gone to our heads. Me and Jack, uh, both of us decided it was time to uh, have a week away. We went away, not just us two, but um, a small group of, of friends just for a, a week away from work. Uh, and that also meant a week away from music, not just jobs, but the uh, the album as well. So yeah, we had a, a nice little break off and uh, and just relaxing, which I think is is useful in, in any project. Do you agree, Jack, to kind of step away from things for a little bit and... Uh, yeah, I don't know about you. I was going a bit stir crazy for six, <laughs> over six months now in lockdown, um, which is mad to think about putting those terms. But yeah, yeah a week yeah. of getting out of the house was just what the doctor ordered. So yeah, we're back now. I promise much more content coming away after we've now we have a band name, um, uh, the Bear Tax. If you missed it, that's what we've chosen as our band name. Um, yeah, got pages for for that now. So hopefully there'll be some actual music popping up very soon. Uh, I'll put some links in the description so you can find out where that'll be. It's all very exciting. I did do a little bit of uh, stuff while I was away, which was mainly just listening through a few um, tracks on my laptop that I'd that I'd got to the demo stage, and it was in doing that that a few things kind of I guess the space of the holiday and uh, not listening to it in a studio environment. And kind of listening to it on my on my laptop with some you know, not studio quality headphones, like there are a couple of things that jumped out at me. Um, and the main thing, which I discussed with you, uh, Jack, a bit was um, this. I'd been using quite a lot of you know just because I don't have access to um, a lot of you know, live equipment. So, and just for ease as well, I've not been using live drums. I've not been recording guitar through an amp primarily i've been recording directly in through the audio interface Uh, and i know you've been doing quite a lot of the same just through necessity because we've not you know we've not got a lot of 
access to all the equipment we need. And I think that's fine at a demo stage, but now we're moving from demo to trying to get some of these tracks more finished, more polished. It's something that I'm really starting to, to wrestle with. Where is it okay to you know, draw, to, to use digital sounds, to use program sounds? Uh, and where is it better to, to go for more acoustic kind of sounding things and trying to record proper live drums with microphones and or to record a guitar out with microphones and you know it, it throws up a lot of questions because I think in the past it was it was an easier argument you'd have your rock bands and your traditional bands that kind of did everything in the studio with live instruments and you had your electronic music which was started later on is more of a recent phenomena but tends to be more and more these days it's recorded in the laptop sometimes entirely within the laptop uh, but not using as many live instruments, maybe a couple of live instruments here and there. But those two things are kind of fusing together more and more, electronic music and acoustic music, um, and particularly with the music we've been doing, I think because our interests kind of overlap those two genres. Hmm. Uh, and it's it's throwing up these questions of, well, yeah, when, when should we use digital? When should we use analog? Uh, and whether it really matters that much um so yeah i don't know if this is something you've thought about much jack i mean for me in particular with the tracks i've written so far i've used entirely programmed drums so drum samples taking samples of of live drums maybe or pre-programmed drums or using drum machines and then using midi to to program drums into the tracks or doing it that way and it it can transform a track pretty much instantly from sounding pretty boring and dull to if you to sounding alive and, and exciting but there's just something about it to me that kind of doesn't feel it kind of removes a little bit of ownership from it and uh, it's something I'm wrestling with so yeah it's not just the the sound that's different and trying to get a realistic sound but it's also how you feel about the fact that you've used someone else's samples so yeah it, that that's that was the, was the one of the main things I was wrestling with while I was away and something that I thought would be interesting to talk about on this podcast. I think I've, I've always been uh, a little bit reluctant to use too much MIDI and too many samples, um, mainly for a reason that you're saying the ownership thing. I think I've made this point in a previous episode that even if you end up creating a sound that is almost identical to the human ear, to another sound that you might sample it's just a feeling it gives you that you've you've contributed to that it's you know you've made something that is your own and you've not just kind of nicked it uh, i think it's something it's probably irrational in a way I've, i don't really have a problem with sampling and um a lot of music nowadays is made up almost entirely of samples and you can do great things original things creative things with it and I don't yeah. kind of look on it any less when other people do it. But for some reason, me personally, I'd prefer to um, to make as many of my own sounds as I can. Mm. And there's other things to consider. Um, like if you are entirely uh, programming your drums, then you know if it's two, two programs, two gridded, you will inevitably get something that sounds a bit more robotic. Um, and if that's not what you're going for, if you're trying to ape the sound of a live 
drum kit or whatever other instrument, then you'll miss mm. all the little squeaks, hisses, minute uh, bits of mistiming that you'll get from actually playing it live. Yeah, I think it, this this is a concept I've come across before. I remember reading about it. I don't know if you've ever heard about the Japanese philosophy of called Wabi Sabi. Oh, I think I'd remember a name like that. Uh, so I'm <laughs> going to say no, but maybe maybe the philosophy itself will ring a bell. Enlighten yeah, you. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll enlighten you. Um, it's, I mean, entire books have been written on this concept, so I'll go, I'm not going to be able to, uh, Do a, to a give 50 you the whole summary. lowdown. <laughs> but it's ba- so what Wabi Sabi is, it's basically the Japanese, a Japanese philosophy. It's, it's a, that word is a Japanese, or two Japanese words, uh, but the philosophy basically encourages us, is us to focus on um, on the blessings hiding in our daily lives and celebrating the way things are rather than how they should be. Okay. That's a little summary. So it's essentially celebrating imperfection and not striving to p- for perfection all the time. Um, so literally, wabby, the word wabby is said to be defined as rustic simplicity or understated elegance. With Lovely. a focus on a less is more mentality, and sabi, I think I'm pronouncing this right. Maybe wabi sabi. Uh, any Japanese listeners, please correct me. Um, is translated as taking pleasure in the imperfect. So those two things combined form this philosophy, this Japanese philosophy. And there's loads, loads more to it. it overlaps with things like Zen. There's entire books. So I'm probably getting it slightly wrong, but how I interpret it is in things like music and creativity you're striving for imperfection in a way because perfection is, is yeah is boring and is predictable mm. I mean, it's the kind of the opposite to um say a restaurant for example no not a restaurant that's a bad example um amazon amazon delivery so they're obviously striving for perfection like delivering things on time they're not trying to like deliver your parcel in some kind of like unique way where it like might might sometimes it might come down the chimney or sometimes it might go to know, the wrong house <laughs> go to the wrong house yeah that's true that, that does often happen but um yeah anything other than perfection is going to get them a complaint from the customer so they're judged on that on 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 perfection whereas music music and creative stuff is judged on imperfection in a way so you hear stories of people kind of programming drums in midi and then trying to move the midi notes slightly off beat so it sounds like it's imperfect yeah and things like that so it's uh and then when you go to that effort sometimes you wonder well why do you not just play the instrument imperfectly um i guess you might not exactly it's you know other factors like you might not have a drum kit but rather than striving to get perfect imperfection Mm. I wonder, and you get this—you get it a lot in in music these days with people like throwing a load of effects at like a clean sample or something and trying to get it to sound rough and ready. It's 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 all really interesting, but I, th- I think it's also reflected in like the rise again or re-rise. Re-rise isn't the white word. Resurrection <laughs> of the uh, of vinyl and of uh, and of like film cameras and things like that. Like people yeah. love that imperfection, that graininess, that feeling that it was made by a human and not by an android yeah i'm is, feeling uh, that it can't be can't be recreated exactly again i know yeah. people um who collect vinyl often talk about how well my record will not sound exactly the same as anyone else's 
because it has got little little cracks in certain places. Mm. I think that, yeah. that's important to to some people certainly. Uh, I noted a couple of uh, people recently I've seen uh, looking at music production online and stuff have actually gone back to recording to tape uh, because it's, I mean, another problem that comes with having infinite memory and infinite kind of, and being able to program things in manually and stuff is that you can spend hours and hours doing it and just trying to, it's like striving for perfection, even though perfection, and then you might end up with perfection and then realizing that's actually not what you wanted. So by recording to tape, like in the old days, it's uh it's expensive so you can't afford to make too many mistakes and if you do make a little mistake well that might have to just stay in there and that's just part of the track so uh, that's really interesting yeah i mean that's a bit like something brian funk alluded to in one of our chats the other week he said why not once you've got an effect uh bounce a track with the effect on it so you can't tweak it anymore and then if you decide later on that the effect is is not what you wanted well well tough um he was coming at it from a slightly different angle of uh you know getting things moving setting yourself restrictions mm. but same kind of principle i think it's kind of working working with limited um equipment limited settings that you can change uh and creating inadvertently creating imperfections which might might serve you well so uh, yeah, I'm kind of struggling with those demo tracks that ha- have some great sounding drums in, uh, <laughs> because I use samples and uh, better than anything I could record in uh, in a studio. And I know we've we've recorded tracks ourselves using a real drum kit, uh, for example, or using real guitars. And you listen back to it, and you just sound there's something lacking. It almost sounds like it could be a program kit, or because you know the microphones weren't in the right place, it just doesn't quite live up to to what you were hoping and it's whether you kind of pursue and pursue until you get something that sounds okay or that you're happy with um that maybe is more original or whether you do just cut to the chase and use program drums because you can get moving quicker and uh and then try and alter them a bit in post you know in mixing and with with effects later on to try and um add some originality so yeah, it's, it's a tricky balance between getting it original from the start and being happy with it from the start or com- putting in something that's p- perfect and trying to imperfect it, trying to mess it up. Um, and I think, I guess, both tactics are, are valid. Yeah, I think a, a lot depends on what inspires you and what helps you work. It may be, like you say, that you, once you put in some program drums, then you can move a track forward because you've got a beat. You've got a beat you like. Um, you can hear what it sounds like with percussion and that will move you on to the next stage without wasting too much time. Um, mm. But if, like you also said, well, you're not too keen on the sound of the uh, program drums, not necessarily the sound of them, but the kind of overly produced nature of them, perhaps the perfection of them, um, then that that can inhibit as well from the start. If something about the song isn't feeling right, then maybe it's going to stop you from from improving that song and from moving on to the next stage. Mm. I think what I need to do with some of the tracks is take a step back and think, right, what, what do I want this track to be when it's finished? What story do I want it to tell? 
what genre kind of do I want it to fit into? Because if it is more of a dancey track, then maybe programmed drums hitting the beat makes more sense. Maybe if I want it to be a, a more of a rocky uh, live sounding track, then maybe live track um, drums make more sense to it. Because um, I think in my mind, I naively thought at the start that we'd have all these demo tracks and then we'd go, right, that one there, uh, the drums, but let's go and re-record the drums in a live setting. But in reality, when you're writing the music, if you if you start with live drums or you start with program drums, and it can completely change how the track sounds in your mind and the direction it goes in. So I kind of under underestimated the influence that making a decision early on uh, into the style of things would have on the overall shape of the track. Uh, I was probably naive to think that I could just I would have a pretty much finished track and I'd go, right, just replace that brass with some real brass or replace that um, that synth with a real piano or something like that. You do get attached to sounds that you put in and parts. It's hard to unhear. Yeah, it is hard to unhear. And it's hard to know whether something is, you like something because it's good or you like something because you are comfortable with it. Um, mm. You're used to it. Um it could well be that something you've had in from the start, maybe as a placeholder, you've listened to a lot and you really like it, and then that can stay in. Um, there's nothing to say that that shouldn't happen, that placeholders can't become part of the final track. Um, but it's maybe this is where second opinions come in. You've got to show it, play it to someone else and say, right, I've had this part in for ages uh, and I've I've got used to it, but am I completely crazy to consider keeping this in or do we need to change it up? <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we'll put a couple of tracks out, out there with program drums and maybe I don't know, one without and see, see, get some opinions back or see what are the, what listeners think of, uh, of it and whether it matters. Um, whether it's you know it was samples that were used or or not I don't know but yeah I think a second opinion it's getting to that point where kind of having a, an ear outside of the the band would be useful so maybe we'll try that application um, is welcome <laughs> professional listener we we've had a couple of people say how much they love our little quizzes that we do occasionally at the end of uh, end of episodes so. Although a quiz, a couple of the quizzes we've done have uh, have been washouts, have been washouts, and uh, I've I have taken it upon myself this time to become quizmaster uh, instead of Jack. And yeah, I think that's Jack's I think quizzes that's were just too hard. It was either Jack's quizzes were too hard or I was too stupid. So hopefully Jack will be more intelligent, and this quiz won't be quite so hard. I think I underestimated how tricky certain questions can be when you don't have the answer in front of you <laughs> as quiz master i always had the answer in front of me and i found it that, pretty easy but that's that's one of the hard things about being a quiz master yeah and it's something i need to improve mm. well yeah carrying on with the theme of wabby sabby and uh, programmed versus non-programmed drums mainly uh, which i seemed to focus a lot of the talk on uh, I'm going to play Jack a series of songs. Jack, your aim, should you choose to accept it, is to guess whether the drums are 
programmed, i.e. from a drum machine or using samples or whether they were recorded using a live kit. So this is going to test whether it actually matters because, you know, if you can't tell the difference, then who cares? <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, um, okay. Yes, I accept the challenge. Yes. Okay. So these are all fairly, fairly notable bands, I think. Um, I, I didn't go for anything too obscure. So the first one is by the band AWOL Nation. Have you heard of the band AWOL Nation? I have. And actually... I'll tell you what, <laughs> I, I have a favorite song by them. It's called Sail. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard any of their other songs, but... no. I don't think anyone else really has them, but they, uh, no, I, I'd like Sale was the only song of theirs I'd really heard. Um, but yeah, there is an interesting man. I think it's just a one guy actually, uh, mainly Aaron Bruno. This isn't Sale. Oh no. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm thrown completely out of my comfort zone here. Okay. Here you go. The track is called I Am. Jack, is this programmed or not programmed drums? Tricky. They sound pretty real. Um, I'm purely going by the fact that it's, or well, we think it's just one guy. I'm sure he's well capable of playing the drums, but I'm going to assume he's programmed that. That is right. That was programmed. It was made entire that album, with all the drums on that were made entirely from drums in the contact library, which is a library of packs of samples that anyone can download very common so uh yeah it was a quite a I found out was quite critically came that album lots of people like it a lot so uh yeah that one is a case of proving that you can do it with programmed drums the next one is by a band you'll definitely have heard of this is the song photograph by Def Leppard This is interesting because I I don't know too much about Def Leppard, but am I right in thinking that the drummer has only got one arm? So uh, I think you may be right. Is yeah. that why? I wonder if that's... Can't, can't, can't confirm. If that was why you'd included it. Um, hmm. And I've, they're definitely in the kind of mould of classic kind of live sounding rock band. Um, I just wonder if there's little rolls at the start. Can you play those <laughs> with one arm? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm gonna. What's, what's your answer gonna I'm be? I'm gonna say it's live. You're gonna say it's live. Well, you're wrong. It was actually programmed, and the, I don't think the reason was that he couldn't play the rolls because he only had one arm, and they went, you know, we're gonna have to use programmed drums. I'm sorry, because there's but. Yeah, interestingly, so their album before this, which was called High and Dry, came out in 1981, 
was recorded with all real drums. But they decided for this album, Pyromania, which came out in 1983, that they'd leave the drums till the very end. So they did everything else and left all the drums till the very end. Uh, and they were all programmed. All the drums on the on the album were um, programmed apart from a few cymbal hits. So, you know, maybe a little bit of a trick question. But um, yeah, so it was quite cutting edge at the time in the 80s to do that for a rock band. What year did you say that? Entirely programmed us. Okay. 1983. Ah, so I'm just Googling the drummer now. Rick Allen said he had his arm amputated in 84. So that completely... <laughs> because, because he was so heartbroken. <laughs> that he wasn't allowed to play the drums. Presumably. Presumably. Okay. Right. Oh, good. So that's one, one out of two. Okay, next one. We're going to go for a band that have appeared on the podcast before. This is Talk Talk with their 1997 song. No, sorry. <laughs> that's the one that it was remixed. <laughs> or as I remastered but it's Talk Talk with Hate definitely a very distinctive sound i don't again can't tell from listening to it um i know talk talk were a very experimental band but they always struck me a little i mean oh i don't know i don't know they do use electronic instruments but they also kind of struck me as as people who would who would play them rather than program them so for that reason, and the important consideration that we've had two programmed <laughs> in a row, I'm going to say they're live. <laughs> um, uh, the quiz master's downfall. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be too obvious. Um, yes, they are real. Um, yeah, to me, I mean, it sounds like a very electronic drum kit, uh, particularly the snare rolls. And they're like, I don't know if it's just highly compressed or how it's processed, but yeah. I think, yeah, Joy Division is an example of a band who had a very distinctive robotic kind of drum sound. Um, but I think that was mainly from the way they were recorded um, and obviously the drum parts themselves rather than uh, any programming. So similar sort of thing, I guess, from Talk Talk. Right. Okay. And the last one I'm going to give you. So you've got two out of uh, two out of four. Two out of three. <laughs> two out of Soon three. to be two out of four. Okay, this is what a band that I know you like a lot, so you may know the answer to this. It's, this is Airbag by Radiohead. I know the answer. Um, <laughs> I must have, uh, I must have read pages worth of trivia on the making of OK Computer in my time. Is it a combination? Is it both? <laughs> Damn! <laughs> my trick question yeah. couldn't even get. 
Jack, you've proved yourself as the superior quiz answerer. Um, well, yeah, I, I think a lot, a lot, you, there's uh, a lot to do with the quiz, uh, with quiz master's questions not being <laughs> impossible. But um, okay, yeah, Radiohead are an interesting one because, I mean, they have albums like Kid A where they pretty much exclusively use drum machines and stuff to create that unique sound. But um, yeah, Airbag, this song in particular, was quite a cool one because they it's samples of their drum. So Phil, Sel- so Phil Selway, is that who yep. the drummer is in Radiohead? Yes. Um, yeah, samples of his drums, so live drums, but then taken and programmed in. So it's programmed, but using samples, not just someone else's samples, using their samples. I think it drums from other tracks and random bits of drums from here and there, which is a, is very cool and something I will maybe try. Um, yeah, so well done, Jack. Three out of four there. Uh, much better than any of my efforts um, in the past. But maybe that proves that, you know, or maybe it proves that it does matter. Um, it's easy to tell if they're programmed or not programmed. Maybe that's the answer. I mean, the amount of guesses that were going on there, I would say no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think maybe more of it is to do with um, the, you know, perception of the creator, how, how, like you said, how they feel about it. And I think so much, again, in like how much you love an album, we've discussed this uh, between ourselves, is in the story as well. You know, when you start reading into the album and you start reading the backstory of it, when you find out something like that, like that song was created using samples, uh, but it was of their own drums. That story contributes to how meaningful the album is and how great that album is. So it may be a bit of a throwaway thing to a lot of people who just listen on and off, but to the true fans, it's something that could elevate it to that next level. And that's what we're looking for in our album, you know. So that's it for another episode of the Tune Lighting Podcast. Thanks again for uh, anyone that's tuned in this week or tuned in previously. As always, if you haven't already, please do give the podcast a subscribe so you get it automatically downloaded every week without having to remember and if you haven't already and you wouldn't mind if you could give us a rating on itunes or your podcast app that would be really helpful too please reach out to us on email if you've got any questions any topics you'd like to be covered in future episodes or even if you've got any guest suggestions or if you maybe want to be a guest yourself uh, let us know it's tunelighting at musicianshq.com i'll leave a link to the email in the description as well and we're also uh, contactable on social media too we're on twitter and instagram at tune lighting if you want to contact us there we're approaching the uh, halfway stage of the project now which is pretty scary so uh, i better get back to the studio to uh, record some more music uh, but we'll be back with another podcast episode in two weeks time <laughs>